0: Evening, fellas. Hello. Am I still wrong about what that song sounded like?
1: Yep. Not even close. Not even a little bit right.
0: Yeah. As in, are you wrong?
2: Like you're not making the mouth sounds that match? I'm not making the correct mouth sounds. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think you are. The mouth feel is all wrong. We should tell people what this is since we don't have a theme song to introduce it. So I'm gonna do it right at the start this time. Okay, is is this podcast
1: different from other podcasts, Andrew? Because we don't have any music. And (laughs) how dare you? That's and
2: because you can't use those (laughs) words.
0: Cultural appropriation. Yeah, that's not okay. okay. No talent, no theme. Especially now. (laughs) What do you mean especially now? (laughs) No. So okay, this is, go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. I'm sorry.
2: Yes, this is ostensibly episode 28 for November 9th of 2023 of Esquiring Minds. Uh, it's just three goofy lawyer friends goofing around for their own enjoyment. Nothing we say should be construed as legal advice of any sort. It's not. Uh, I'm one of the friends. I'm Andrew Leahy. I'm a tax technology attorney from New Jersey. I'm joined, as I always am, by Jake. I'm going to get this wrong. You're a land and use attorney. And I just asked you a second ago. I said, are you a board, a uh, bar examiner? I know you're not. What are you? Uh,
0: no, no. So I'm a... Land use and construction attorney. Well, I know that. Part, um, yes. Also, you're a professor. Uh, I am in case also you a forgot professor. that part. I should add um, that.
2: Okay, I'm a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey and a professor uh, of um, tax well, law now uh, at Drexel, adjunct, adjunct professor of law at Drexel Klein. Okay.
1: Okay. Sorry, okay. Go on. Congratulations. Cool. cool. Yes.
0: Thank uh, you. I and I'm also. This is as of a day or two ago. Um, a member of the the board for Florida uh board certification the uh or i'm sorry the committee for board certification for local government and land use or uh city county and local government in florida which i only mentioned because uh like many things that i volunteer for these days which i volunteer for a lot man it's a it's a lot of stuff that we do Mm, uh so board certification do you all have board certification in your states i don't
1: think so no uh okay There might be an estate planning one in Indiana. I'm not sure.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's like basically, you know, any, any lawyer can practice anything. And then at some point the bar is like, okay, you've done it so much. You're certified as an expert. You have to pass an exam in Florida, at least for any board cert. Uh, But yeah, so I'm going to be helping to prepare the exam, the board certification exam for this field. I'm going to be helping to vet potential attorneys um i'm gonna be helping to propose rules about what it means to be an expert in this field so it's like oh man i signed up for a big job there's like there's there's a total of eight of us on this board apparently the ideal size is nine so like it's nine people for the whole state uh but it's brand new to me i'll i'm in you know we'll see how much work it is or what you know what the actual amount of work or uh, the actual uh, responsibility ends up being, but man, Tell you it's going to
1: be interesting. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of work.
0: That sounds like, a, yeah. I don't see how that's not a lot of work. I mean, that's, that seems like a lot. You know, I keep yeah. signing myself up and it just keeps, you know, it keeps working out. I'm, I'm, it's like credit card debt, but for attorneys volunteering, <laughs> I don't know mm. if there's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah. As you, you know, it's good for it the prestige up. though, right? Yeah. Your resume, yeah. you're building up yeah, that resume. Yeah, throw it on my resume yeah uh, not that anybody at my age or experience level really cares about a resume that much because yeah. it's like, oh we know everybody, so you know
1: mm-hmm. the resume
0: matters less and less the older you get, but right. anyway, yep, okay. I'm not the other only second person on this podcast. No, there's yes. another second. Well, hold on. I'm I think
2: a, I think we're all second people. I think we're all tied for second, and there is no first. All, we leave a chair second. open for, for, you know for the real the, host. The, oh my
1: gosh, the, the listener is first. Right? <laughs> oh, none there of us. So the <laughs> listener comes first. Yeah, and and by that I mean the single listener. Mm. <laughs> yes. Hi, Jacob. Uh, <laughs> Me? And so no, not you. Other Jacob. Oh. Jacob with a with a K in the middle instead of the C. Yeah. Uh, oh. Well, hi. I am Jason Ramsland. I am an. Employment litigation attorney. I sue bad bosses. I sue your bad boss. I sue my bad boss. I sue all kinds of bad bosses. So if your boss is bad uh, and you're in Indiana, uh, preferably in the Central Indiana area, but I go all over, then I'll sue your bad boss. Maybe. You said you uh, sue your my bad boss, boss
0: refused to comp my meal, which I had with myself at lunch the other day. Ooh. Can you
1: sue him? No. Why would he comp your uh, meal? Because <laughs> uh, I was hungry. He's just a mediocre boss at that point. He's not oh, bad okay. yet. He, he's not obligated to pay for your meal.
2: Okay. No. I'm I joking. Think if he, he if he took your spray to and dumped it out on the floor, I think that that maybe that gets close to bad. It's any true. of those sort of prison yeah. moment moves, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, what would be more uh concerning is if he uh if he forced you to clock out for a lunch break because, you know, lawyers oh, okay. time clocks. I mean, mm. we do, but I mean, all
0: all lawyers, I guess I don't you know, I don't bill for lunch breaks, so
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so so of. All punched out. I sue bad bosses. I'm also anti-work lawyer.com. <laughs> <laughs> all, all sorts of fun domains. I'm the you're domain. you mostly guy. a domain
2: collector at this point. Yeah. That really yes. should sort of it's slowly domain collector <laughs> boss.com. <Yeah>. <laughs> right. yeah. You're here yeah. in your capacity as a domain owner, really. Like it's fine that you're an attorney, but all we really care about is the domain the domains. And
1: and for all my domains, I can't get the one that I actually wanted, which is ramsland.com, which is available, but it's fifteen thousand dollars. So, I'm
2: not, Have you ever I'm not looked that. on archive to see what it was?
1: Yeah, it's never been anything. Oh, hmm. I just did what? this the other day. I'm the sure market that, failure. Is I'm what sure it that is. somebody somebody is probably just using it to host their email on, and they're not publishing a web page for it. So I tried uh, to email the admin, what I guessed would be admin at ramsland.com. right? And you know what? It was undeliverable. So <laughs> life is pain.
0: What a jerk! <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's the that's the thesis of this podcast. Actually, <laughs> life is pain. Life is pain. Life is pain. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if right. you take only
2: one thing away, it's that none of this is legal advice. And then the second thing is that life is pain.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. So talk about life is pain. I thought a a fun <laughs> mini topic we can we can touch really quickly is omegle. Uh, I, we're gonna have to explain what it is because I, I I I don't know. This is one of those things where like I, if you're of a certain age, you certainly know what it is. Right. But I then have no everybody idea what else, this is. You have no idea what this okay. is? Okay. No idea. So Explain this to was me. pre-Web 2.0 or maybe right at the cusp of Web yeah. 2.0. I feel like this, I think we can look at the grade. 2009 or something. Yeah, it 2009. Got hot. Yeah, 2009 it gets hot. It is the first, I think, or at least it was the first popular um, randomly match you with another user and you can chat with them. I, I, what I remember was via text. Oh, it yeah. It was like a chat box that you just yeah. would open. If you went to com, hit chat. It just connected you to somebody and you can talk to them. I yeah. understand so is, is, is m- it then moved
1: to same video? Same concept. Same concept is like chat roulette. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess chat yeah, yeah, roulette okay. might
2: have done video first and then Omegle uh, sort of picked that up. I think the the, the original Omegle was text, I think. Is that right? Is that your recollection, Jake?
0: Yeah, that yes. Well, I yes. I will say if they if they said at that point that there was video, I would have been like heck no. I'm not randomly video chatting with a stranger. I would not have right. done that. That
1: is. Uh, I was
2: thinking about it. I thought this would be really for me. This would be a great productivity tool. Imagine a some sort of app you install on your laptop that if you like goof off for too long, you are randomly connected to someone else (laughs) via webcam. Like you
0: know, as a punishment.
2: Yeah, as a punishment. (laughs) It goes like, oh, you you minimize Microsoft Word and you moved on. You're you know you're browsing whatever. You're gonna get connected to a random person and have to talk to them for thirty seconds in you know, 10 seconds or something. I would, I would absolutely never not be productive. All I would
1: do. This is is my nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. It
2: it sounds awful, but apparently people liked it. Question mark.
0: Yeah. I I think it was like a thing people did when like, you know, uh, if you have your friends over and you're together and you maybe have been drinking a little bit or something and you're just like looking for something to do and you don't mind seeing some random uh, non-consensual genitalia. um, You just, you know, you just throw it on and see, like, see what crazy stuff happens, you know. I would expect um, mostly
2: non-consensual genitalia is what I would assume. Yeah, right. It's sort of like um, if you put, if you told me there was a webcam that randomly connected to all the monkey cages in zoos around the world, I feel like uh, pooping in their hands and throwing it is what I'm going to see. Right. And so <laughs> sa- sa- same thing here. I feel like that that would that would be what I would expect. And yeah. I, it seems like from what I'm reading is there was a hefty dose of that but there were also people yeah. using it like especially during the pandemic to sort of you know feel less alone and connect with people and stuff like that.
0: Well on TikTok there's like some creators where their whole thing is they match with people they match with people on Omegle and then did like crazy impressive or cool things with the people that they randomly matched with. So like there's a guy I think his name was Marcus Veltri who he he's like a professional like concert pianist and he paired with a professional concert violinist and he would wear a halloween like a monster getup like dressed up as like jason or something and he would say request any song and they'd request a song and they would just play it because they're professional and they're extremely good and it was really cool because you would just like surprise random people with concerts playing like you know their favorite, like they would play like the call of Call of Duty zombies theme or right. uh, Studio Ghibli song, and that was super so wholesome. Cool. Yeah, the no, it was not. very wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That that, that for every the one awesome. out of a right. thousand would right. be super wholesome, cool content. Yeah, you um, wonder if those
2: two matched. Like you have to imagine they were not going on there for that purpose. Like the concert pianist was not going on saying, "I wonder if I could maybe connect with a concert." What'd you say, a violinist or? It, yeah, a there was a
0: violinist and a pianist. It, um, it seems like and, a long
2: shot. So you probably weren't there for that, I'm guessing. But you happened to come across this person. Well, and... No,
0: they're together in the same room, and they oh. match with randoms. Oh, I get happens. you. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, then there's also a guitarist named The Do. I think is the doo um okay. who like pretends to be like a you know a bad beginning guitarist and then he turns around and it turns out his guitar is like a double guitar and he plays like two two right. guitar parts at the same time anyway and he, it might be buckethead secretly um but bucket. yeah there's cool stuff like that but uh yeah for the most part it was a a, a hive of scum so and villainy
2: <laughs> yeah um <laughs> well it is no more so that is the yeah. point why we're
0: bringing this up. It it
2: seems it just has been sort of like I, I don't really. So so if you go to the Omegle.com website, which I hadn't done in 15 years, but I have done now, you're met with a grave saying it's, uh you know, 09 to 2023. And the owner, designer, writer, programmer, et cetera, um, has a sort of diatribe, a, 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 <laughs> uh, I would say, right, about... uh freedom on the internet and uh, how it's terrible and this is a loss, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm really, I'm not making fun of him or anything. I suppose it is, but I really thought when I heard this, that, oh, this must be a lawsuit. I mean, I thought we're going to talk about it probably because this has to be a lawsuit. Somebody's going after him, like some horrible thing happened, right? Some, someone Mm -hmm. did something bad to a kid or something based on, you know, using, you know, connecting via Omegle. It seems not, he's not saying that. He's not saying he was sued out of existence. He's just saying that uh, he can't deal with it anymore and that's it. Yeah. So,
0: well, I I think Omegle. So this is something that I learned as a public defender is that some there's a federal law that requires certain kind of content providers to provide information on people who commit child pornography crimes, and so it might be that like the cost of do of I know Omegle Um, was a mandatory reporter because I got some some warrants that were based on information from Omegle. Maybe that was like too expensive to do because Omegle never like monetized in an effective way. I don't think. I don't. They seem like, like literally it. just had like Google AdWords or something, right? I haven't not gone on Omegle since I was in undergrad, so I can't say one way or another. But yeah, um, yeah. I honestly didn't know they were still running.
2: I assumed these sorts of websites were long. They <laughs> were worse, dead, yeah. right? Yeah, this is. <laughs> yeah, the victim.
1: It of, does of, feel uh, like a era. website out of time. Yeah, it, uh, it. It in part of that diatribe there, he does talk about. Uh, uh, people have become more ornery. That's O-R-N-E-R-Y, E-E-R-Y, not the other thing that it sounds like. And uh, it sounds like there's a constant barrage of attacks on communication services, Omegle included. And so, uh, you know, people did crime on there and uh, it cost people money and it cost reputation. And so it part of the diatribe is basically, it's not worth it for me to do this. And you know what? That's not surprising. I, I feel that yeah that seems accurate i yeah, yeah. I, I would totally agree i
2: can't when i think about something running a service like this and these sorts of um things you would have to see and stuff you'd have to respond to and things you need to deal with i don't know the number i would need to be making per year to make that worth it and just sort of having your name tied to it too is
0: like good luck doing anything else this is your you know you're this person forever <laughs> yeah uh, if somebody you know, was like i was i founded omegle i think that would be very impressive even if you know yeah, Even as if long as Eagle doesn't have a great brand, it's like yeah, that's pretty impressive that you built that.
2: Yes, as long as it doesn't, as long as it went out this way and didn't crash and burn the alternative way with some sort of really public, uh, horrible event having happened on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't really want that. If you just shut it down and no one really knows the details of what was going on on there, I could see that. But uh, crash and burns a bad way to go yeah uh,
0: among it's, tech people i think they'd be into it they'd be that would be make them even more popular among like that's true CEOs. Yeah. they'd be like oh yeah they they took you down man they like they <laughs> were they so, your you house? built something beautiful <laughs> right. and, they, and then they destroyed you
2: yeah didn't they zip tie uh, your mom i thought i heard that is, that, is that true your, is that what, what about happened? your mom <laughs> what zip tie <laughs> what oh
1: mercy yeah this is taking a weird turn okay we can uh, move on Yeah, let's our second mini topic. I don't
2: uh, (laughs) I don't know what this is. I think Jake put it in the in the I I put it
0: in somebody else. Sorry, if I if this is like a a topic without a without a a sponsor, but there was like some company that bragged about uh, this was actually from Matt in our Slack, I think. Uh, but it was, like, a company that was bragging that two AIs successfully negotiated a contract without oh, human yeah. intervention. Oh, yeah. I I'm okay. talking about. Was it yeah. Net uh-huh. I um, don't know.
1: It seems it like they're likely to be involved.
0: Well, they were, like, yeah, it successfully negotiated a contract without a human intervention. Also, there were lawyers on both sides monitoring. And it's, like, is right. that really what you're saying it is? I think it's days? called autopilot. Is yeah, what I'm it's, seeing. like, uh, that. Is that just that is that just chat gpt working and you watch it like
1: <laughs> you know is autopilot on my car uh the car driving while i supervise it or is it me driving without barely ever touching it
0: <laughs> with some yeah
1: <laughs> yeah my thought on any this any event intervention
2: yeah my my thought on this and and with chat gpt as well is that it is quite a bit more difficult to correct the errors in a full document that has been generated by a person or uh, an AI than it is to sort of do the work and do the research and write it yourself like if I imagine I had to you know draft a contract that I really didn't understand any of the underlying things I was attempting to have this contract contemplate right I would have to, as I reached each section, I would have to look into it. Uh, how, how can I best look at other contracts? How can I best sort of encapsulate what I'm trying to encapsulate? How can, you know, what examples are out there? And I would learn as I went. If I went to chat GPT and I said, here's the, the, you know, here's like the, maybe the term sheet or whatever, generate a contract for me. The level of expertise I would need to have to look over that contract and really know if that was correct or not would be yeah. quite a bit higher. Like I think about it in the context of tax a lot. I if I sat down and you know wanted to answer a client's question about a specific tax provision and whether or not it applies to them, I would do the research as I went. And so I would know what I was talking about because I just looked into it now. But if I just went to GPT and had them generate an answer and then I was checking yeah. to make sure that was certain I was correct, I don't know if I'm qualified to do that. I think I'd be looking to find someone who wouldn't have needed to research it to write it them to begin with. Does that make sense? Yeah. You would yeah. I mean you definitely wouldn't want to trust. That it's thought of all the issues that need to be thought about, right? Right. And if I can't either, then this is a problem, (laughs) right? If it it sort of gets out ahead of my skis, this is a big problem because I I can't rein it in.
1: The actual thing that happened here is one firm, uh, the firm is called, uh, it's a legal tech firm called Luminance. Uh, They basically created two AIs, which I don't think that's actually what happened. I think they created (laughs) one AI and then, uh, you know, imposed two instances of the AI and they went back and forth over the details of a non-disclosure agreement between Luminance and one of Luminance's clients. I don't know if it's a real client or a fake client, uh, but in any event, they created two instances of an AI that negotiated, negotiated over an NDA and like, cool, congrats, uh, Luminance. You put two instances of an AI working against each other and they successfully had a chat. Uh, this is like uh, Twitter bots having conversations with each other on Twitter, <laughs> except true. slightly smarter because right. uh, you have caused this AI to ingest probably tens of thousands of different NDAs that can be found uh, using Google searches, and so hmm. you know kind of what the permutations of an NDA look like. Sure, and that's and that's fine. It's an interesting thought exercise to see. An NDA being negotiated by one AI and another AI. What I'm wondering about here is what they seeded it with. So, for example, right. uh, what information was seeded to the AI for this customer, ProSapient yeah. and uh, Luminance? Like, did you seed the AI with these are our, our objectives in negotiating this contract? Uh, what was what was the prompt, more or less? If you're thinking about interfacing with chat, GPT, or Dolly, or something like that, you do it with a prompt. Our prompt here was, here's a baseline NDA, here are our objectives, and uh, they eventually came to compromises. Did you seed it with what compromises yeah. are acceptable and what compromises yeah. are not? <laughs> that's Because basically, basically, then what you're doing is uh, having a mediation where it's a race <laughs> to the middle. And uh, you've already told the computers what the middle is. And so they're going to probe and find out what the middle is and get there,
0: yeah. which is fine and interesting. Yeah.
1: I, I, I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. It's an interesting thought exercise. It's a good experiment to run. And it's probably going to be run 100,000 more times. Uh, but I'm not sure that it really accomplished anything other than, uh, you know, like an orchestrated game of Battleship where we've organized our pieces on the board and you fire until you get a hit and like, Oh, okay. We can agree on this point. Let's move on to the next. That's what it is. It seems to me.
0: I, I would love to see, I think this kind of article, this kind of puff piece is completely useless to a person who's interested in finding out like to what degree AI is actually capable of doing something. Right. Because like, I want to see the language that was struck out. I want to see why it was struck out what you prompted it as you said Jason um like did you give them your ideal uh NDA provision like um i and then it's not about like i don't know about you guys i rarely i've i've negotiated a few contracts which had NDAs in them but i've never negotiated a standalone NDA there's a lot of like NDAs that are part of settlements and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So uh, sometimes you will negotiate some objectives that are and give up some objectives in order to accomplish other objectives that are more important to you. Yep. Finding out which one is more important to you is such a huge part of it. It's like, did they basically just, it sounds to me like what they did was they put in, simple paragraphs. And it's like, try to figure out the middle ground in this paragraph. And it's actually super simple what happened. And also, it was, it was, and it sounds like it might have just been like an English tool. Yeah, um,
2: absolutely. That's what I was thinking. Because if you if you make the prompt, sufficiently sophisticated, where you're going in and saying, like, here are the business decisions, I want you to wait, Um, you know, this, us winning on this point, uh, very heavily right this i, I really want to get this you know this in the contract these are ones that are negotiable um 50 uh, 50 these are ones yeah. that are uh 20 like we give it 20 percent weight I, I don't mind if we give these up there comes a point where the prompt subsumes whatever the work yeah. is that you're doing yeah to it the takes point forever where, yeah all it's really doing now is it's just generating an english doc it's almost like translating a doc it's, it is what the ai is doing it's translating yeah. your uh, bullet points of what you want said and done into a written nice piece of English that can be read. Yeah, and that yeah. is v- quite a bit less impressive. And I, in fact, yeah. I think GPT-4 could probably do it. You could probably do it on chat GPT. If you just said, you know, if you took like, take an NDA that exists, right? Go line by line yourself. This is This is not a prompt. This is you do it. Go line by line and make bullet points for what each line is intending to achieve. And then tell GPT mm-hmm. to generate a contract, a, an NDA that makes these points. I bet it would look remarkably similar to the one you pulled all that stuff from,
1: right? Because yeah.
2: it's good at writing language, just writing language, just converting it to, and it can probably do legalese. You know what I mean? It can probably pick up the tone that should be taken sure. and stuff. And so, not nearly as impressive as like I, I don't. But but part of it is to to Jason's point of. Um, a lot of it is like business decisions, so I don't even know how yeah. you could make a demonstration like this that would be impressive, it, unless you had it maybe ingest uh, internal documents from the cl- from the client and have them ha- have the the AI then smartly do the weighing of points. In other words, yeah, we, you know what I mean, right? Like we know that what we, you really need to to yeah. make sure you get in this contract, whether or not you realize it, is this point, point. and so we
0: negotiated hard for it and we got it for you. <laughs> That's impressive. That that would be impressive, but also I wouldn't trust that in a million years as of right now.
1: No. Yeah, that's exactly right. One of the things that this sounds a little bit similar to was a few years ago at a conference, somebody was talking about a pilot program that was being run, maybe it was in some Canadian provincial court or something like that, where uh, they had basically set up this software system for small claims to be mediated, essentially by software, where people will put, what their demand is, what they're willing to accept and compromise. The other side would do something similar and kind of the computer would see whether a result, a a middle ground result was possible. And it was one of those double blind things like, okay, if everybody agrees that a result is possible, like if our, if there's crossover between these uh, two, uh, you know, if the Venn diagram has an overlap, then great. We'll run the calculations and here's your settlement. And that's an interesting thing that we could take and apply uh, the sort of machine learning AI thing to where you interact with the AI in a settlement discussion, a settlement preparation, uh, and you tell it, these are the parameters that I'm willing to accept. And the AI, having done this a bunch of times and looked at thousands of settlement agreements, says, what do you think about this problem? Is this an important factor to you? If it is an important factor to you what are the parameters that are necessary for you in a confidentiality clause? Do you care Mm -hmm. about that? Do you care about non-disparagement? How much do you care about non-disparagement? Is it worth actual money to you to have a non-disparagement clause or not? Right. And uh, so I see value less in AIs negotiating against each other and AIs facilitating a mediation between people who can specify their parameters. And essentially, we're cutting out... Destroying an industry here, or uh, we're we're, un, we're disemploying mediators, or what we're actually doing is creating a mediation system that can be implemented in small claims courts where the value yeah. of the case, the the stakes are low enough that it doesn't make sense to pay hundreds of dollars an hour for a mediator. That's the application that I think is really interesting: is not AI's negotiating against each other, but AI's helping people.
0: I agree. negotiate
1: against each other and reach a conclusion rather than just get stuck in the mud.
0: Yeah. I, I think that is like the theoretically best case where it happens though. I also think that people who are in, uh, I like people don't negotiate like that because they care a lot more. Like even at the big, at the big level, people have such emotional stakes about this thing. Yeah.
1: It's the principle.
0: Yeah. Even reducing it to writing is a huge challenge. Um, Trying to get, I can't remember the last time I got uh, like the best I can get a client to reduce to writing their objectives is the amount, right? Like here's the Mm. maximum I'll authorize you. That's about it. But like the, uh, like if trying to get somebody to explain exactly what they're trying to accomplish through their NDA, That's a, that's a theoretical legal question. That's like, that's very hard to explain even for an expert. Um, but, and like that doesn't go away when it comes to small claims. Like if anything, people in small claims, other than like, we're a collections company, we have a debt of $4,000 and you aren't paying it or $400 or whatever it is. Right. right? Uh, and we know you're going to default anyway, you know? Um, Other than that kind of thing, it's like, it's, it's still principle driven. Um, It's uh, yeah. I wonder, Uh, so (laughs) does AI have now enough like
2: reputational standing such that like, is the general consensus that these, that AI is brilliant and gets almost everything correct. And this is astounding such that an application like that would work to kind of bamboozle parties into believing that this bamboozle. is the uh, this is the ideal <laughs> this outcome this is the
0: good outcome yeah. yeah
2: right and they said well look if the computer says nah. like remember like old 80s movies where they would talk about that sort of stuff like some problem there'd be some problem yep. and they would say they put it into a computer and the computer gave them the optimal answer and it's this right and everybody seemed to just accept that yeah would that be would that happen I, right where where you can just say this is the this is your optimal um uh, outcome for you financially and for your, yeah. the terms that you've given us? And don't question it. Would it work? Well, it
1: depends on how you program the AI. Do you program the AI to be Chris Voss, who's the hostage negotiator who wrote the book, Never Split the Difference? Or do you program the AI with uh, Getting to Yes, which was like the the baseline curriculum for mediation classes in law school, which yeah. is like the exact opposite of chris voss which is uh right. get get to the compromise get to the middle ground and chris voss is like no like squeeze every last drop that you can out of it how uh, do right. you program the ai deep bloodthirsty yeah. cold-hearted
0: <laughs> show up to the mediation hey. with a bomb vest that's, oh, that's your one AI no. no 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 <laughs> right. uh i have a much simpler answer to your question andrew do our uh, AIs AIs trusted enough for such that clients will trust that they actually came to the correct conclusion for them. I'm going to go with a hell no brother. Uh, <laughs> There's no chance. Mike, like my clients, like if I tell a client, uh, like I, many of my clients trust me. I, if they, if I've told them something, they understand that I've thought about it. Right. And I've fought for it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But if they believe they deserve more, they believe they deserve more. If AI sends them, no, you deserve less. They're not going to trust that.
2: Like yeah, that's true. I get
0: that. Um, they they are not. I don't think they're going to believe an AI saying actually it's twelve grand as opposed to the thirty grand you think you de- you deserve. Any, right. I think they'll trust that much less than the human telling them. I don't think your case is gonna has a reasonable value of twelve grand or however you end up phrasing it.
1: But what I, if I'm we put that AI...
0: They definitely don't trust that. I get that.
1: What if we put that AI in an anthropomorphized robot mm. and uh, uh, it looks like one of the Disney animatronic guys from the Hall of Presidents or something, and you've got, <laughs> you've got Abraham Lincoln uh, yeah. with an AI inside of him telling you, this is a good deal. You should take it. Like, is that going to yeah. work? For We're going to
0: need a more universally ago, trusted figure like Iron Man. There
2: you go. <laughs> yeah. When you said anthropomorphize, I was imagining like the Chuck E. Cheese band, like maybe the <laughs> the rat drummer or something, right? Like it's just yeah. repurposed to come in and tell you, "I'm sorry, you're slipping, fall. It's five grand. At <laughs> <slip> <laughs> you should take it. That's all you're getting." <laughs> at, Ch- at Chuck E. Cheese, was- by the way.
0: We have a uh, my bar association tomorrow. This is too late. By the time we're listening to this, So you have an event at Chuck E. Cheese in the morning. The bar event is at <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> No, it's about okay. chat GPT and lawyers. Um, but it's just interesting. It's like we can't we can't trust them to write a paragraph that is accurate. Um, not quite yet, not totally. Them being uh, GPT? Yeah, GPT. No, gotcha. No, okay. yeah. No, and so being, like them being we the shouldn't first year yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And so we can't trust them to negotiate either. I think the best stuff on this, I'm waiting for the academics to experiment. I don't the so many pro- for-profit companies are coming out with vague articles about the thing they, their AI did. Right. And it's all, you know, like, I don't even think it's about drumming up business. It's about drumming up capital. Um, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, and so we, I'm waiting for the academics to show that it actually did something good though. I will say the case text feature that drew up a memo. I forget who gave it to me. Uh, or helped me with that, and use the case text AI feature to ge- generate a memo on the due process. It was like, hey, that was good. That was exactly what I was looking for. We or would never maybe disclose not exactly, that, but it's very useful. But, we would uh, never
1: disclose who did that because that's for personal yeah. use under their license, right? So we would never. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank
1: In you. In fact, for it never happened. Person. Jake yes. just made that up. It's it's. Thank never, you for never, the never <laughs> thank you for the <laughs> trial case text of your AI tool. Maybe. Right. Yeah. I well, case text that
0: is now part of Westlaw. Or I don't Lexus. Know, one I of forget them. which one. One they of got
1: those bought. big two. Yeah. Yeah. I think Westlaw
0: yeah. is Reuters, right? Is that right? Yeah. Thomson Reuters. Reuters. Yeah.
1: It's yep. all parent companies all the way up.
0: Yeah. Thomson Reuters is actually owned by Tencent,
1: which is owned by the People's Republic of China. Yeah. Is that true? No. no. Oh,
0: oh, I don't know. It's not that implied. <laughs> I could, I could, I, it could be true,
2: though. Right. It's not that crazy. <laughs>
1: Jake's got um, that deadpan delivery that actually convinces you that <laughs> Yeah,
2: Thompson Reuters got bought up by Tencent. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So talking about buying up things and I don't know, I have no segue for this. The real estate commission is probably going away. This is our main topic, right? No, it, it's is not. Is that the, I it's don't think not that's going the conclusion away. of that, of no, that it's case.
0: Not. It's,
1: it's not, not the lead. I, it, it is that they are going to be. <laughs>
2: I thought we were doing optimistic twenty twenty three. I think Jason, Jason
1: was saying that,
2: that that's what he was trying to do. So I'm trying to come in here with some optimistic energy and say all the realtors of the world are going to be out of a job real soon. Oh, and bro. you're just 2021. bursting those bubbles.
1: Twenty twenty one was the year of optimism. Oh, is, really? This what? Is, this, is, this is this is not this is not that timeline. We're uh pessimism now. Well, uh, 2021 is the year that I finished watching Ted Lasso, and I was optimistic. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you've uh, so come Ted down Lasso, off of that. Now. Ted Lasso season one. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've come down a lot since then. I I both bought and sold a house yeah. since then. So yeah. Uh, the and then you awesome watched
0: was... Ted Lasso season two, and you're like, oh, uh, maybe the world That's... is terrible. I'm. I'm but kidding. then,
1: <laughs> but then season three bounced back, and he moved back to Kansas, <laughs> and all was great because Kansas. Uh,
0: okay. Spoilers. Oh my God. Oh. That was God.
1: that was that was
0: that was, that was Telegraph. No more. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry if I spoiled Ted Lasso for you, uh, you're late to the party. Uh, by the way, uh, all the people in, or, uh, Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time in Sixth Sense. <laughs>
0: oh no. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, I, man, people. I was like, are you going down the road of Bruce? What? Like, you know, he's having like health
1: problems. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I, I want to remember him at his best, okay, which was yeah. that and his cameos on friends, which were excellent. Yeah, uh, so the real estate, so real estate commission is probably not going away, but it is probably going to be less of a gross, uh, filthy cabal than it once was because there was this huge lawsuit. Uh, the first one has come to a judgment in Missouri, uh, and that judgment so far is a $1.8 billion verdict against the national association of realtors. Keller Williams and maybe some other big national real estate firm. Uh, I think a couple others settled out of court. I think maybe Remax had settled out of court and another had settled out of court for something on the order of uh, between one and 200 million. I think that was, yeah, there you go, between the two of those firms. Basically saying that uh, this is a super anti competitive system. Which by the way, I wholeheartedly. It definitely agree with. is, though. Absolutely is. It's hard
0: to like even fight that.
1: Yeah. And so so the as I understand it, the main target of it was this really uh filthy, disgusting system whereby the seller of the house, who's the person who's going to be getting a big check written to them, signs a set signs an agreement with their selling agent for a 5 to 6% commission, usually 6%. Sometimes if the market is competitive, maybe it's closer to 5 You sign a check that is going to have a 6% commission, which if your house is worth $500,000, is going to be $30,000 of commission for this person who is taking pictures of your house or hiring someone to take pictures of your house, putting it on an MLS system, and giving you some very, very basic legal advice, which I also have questions about. Uh, and uh, that person is going to be paid $30,000 for doing this. Bananas. And I'll tell you what, that is stupid. They're yeah. not actually going to end up with $30,000 in their pocket. They're going to end up with $15,000 in their pocket because the way they have constructed this system to entrench themselves is that the buyer's agent gets to split that 6% commission with the seller's agent so that you Basically can't get a buyer's agent to come look at your property unless you get on that MLS, which is kept by that 6% commission. And also you agree to pay that buyer's agent a 3% commission. So right. the whole thing is gross, nasty, ugly. And I am delighted to see them getting slapped around in court for 1.8 so far. And they haven't even gotten to the part of it where there may be, I think, treble damages at stake for this. Uh, and so they could be on the hook for up to five and a half, six million. Yeah. Yeah. Billion. It, it be? Billion. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah. Billion.
2: Yeah. B. I, I think the beginning of the end for them was when the MLS got I, I was it Zillow that first sort of like got access to the MLS and made it open for people to just like regular to people have access at? to search and look. Yeah. yeah, because I don't know about you, but when any of the houses I've bought, I have sent to my agent the houses I wanted to look at, and they always mm-hmm. like added a fourth that was terrible and wasn't at all in keeping with what the other three were. Like an AI would honestly do better finding something huh, that was yeah. similar. Uh, but uh, didn't I mean? Didn't you find your own house, or did you have an agent find? Each of your houses, I, I, I think I'm we found our own house.
1: Yeah, yeah. I did not hire a buyer's but, agent to buy this house. I hired, I had to hire a seller's agent to sell my house. Right, and so they just get the,
2: the full six percent. Yeah. Right. Well, no I don't know about there. that
1: because she screwed up, and I think she got in some big trouble. But, <laughs> yeah. oh, but I mean, okay.
0: So let's not talk about your particular horrible agent and talk but about you all horrible didn't pay agents. Pay any of that commission, obviously, because you were the buyer. Right.
1: Right.
2: Right. Now, right. right. But I think in that situation, they get the full six percent. Uh,
0: sure. You know, ordinarily, you know, separate and apart from your, 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 well, individual my, yes. when I was a seller, they had a thing where it was like, if there was no buyer's agent, then you'll, then I'll get 5% dual disclosed agents because they will, because of this cabal, they're yeah. your
2: agent and dual disclosed. So there's never, at least in New Jersey, this was the situation you're never not represented by an agent. If you don't have an agent as the buyer, the seller's agent becomes your agent, and you need to sign a dual disclosed agreement, dual disclosure agreement that they are like, I don't know, representing both. I don't know, It, it feels so sense. wrong. It feels so like stupid. it should
0: be illegal. Absolutely. Yes. That it should be. be dual. It, like It is the most conflict of all conflicts to represent the buyer and seller. <laughs> it is the
2: well, most clearly zero sum situation, <laughs> right? Every dollar you give the seller is a dollar you take from me. Right. It has to. That's the only way it works.
1: So I have no problem with the existence of real estate professionals. I have I think that there are plenty of situations where they can add some value to a transaction. If you are moving to a new area and you don't know anything about it, and you know, Reddit is a hellscape and tells you that every neighborhood is terrible and you can't find a, a single place that's livable. And, you know, Google has no useful results because it's all next door people being racist. uh, Then uh, like, yeah, in that situation, if you talk to a real estate agent, they can help guide you on that journey for a situation like mine, where I know approximately what my house is worth. I know approximately, you know, I know how to sell it because I'm a lawyer and I have done these transactions for people before. Right. Like, I shouldn't need that, but I did need it because it was gate And Our guy was very friendly, great, uh did a nice job for us, squeezed some money out of out of the the buyer for us, did a fine job. I'm not complaining about him. I am complaining about this situation where in order to even be considered, in a transaction you have to be on this mls that is gatekept by six percent of the total value of your house and that part i think is what they were getting at in this lawsuit in missouri yeah and it's at least one of the main points that they made and that six percent gatekeeping cost like let's let people meaningfully intervene to interfere with that and have something like Zillow and Redfin that is not poisoned by the National Association of Realtors to preserve the five to 6% real estate commission. And let's let them actually put things on this MLS and let's not have allow realtors for buyers to, uh, confine their searches to only the MLS. Like, Oh, the, you can't trust what's on Zillow. You can't trust what's on Redfin. Let's break up that cabal. God bless these people for working this lawsuit because they're doing the Lord's work. Yeah,
0: Absolutely, the MLS yeah. is definitely like the the thing that makes the least sense and is most clearly anti-competitive cuz like if you're an owner at this point if there's very little reason why you should not just be able to put it on a website that it would be a competitor to MLS and say here are my pictures maybe you, you get a realtor to you know you hire somebody to stage and help you present right. it's not going to cost 30 grand or whatever it is. It's going to cost a lot less than that. Um, And then that would be it. Uh, And I know that's the danger for realtors. I do feel bad for all my, I have a, you know, a lot of people who this is their livelihood, but uh, and man, the transition is going to be wild and terrible for them. Uh, If it actually comes now, which it seems like it's probably going to come sooner rather than later. Um, D-
2: yeah. I mean, I've I've worked with realtors that were, you know, towards the end of their careers and they'd been doing this for like 40 and 50 years. Like th- this is this is a career. This is and yeah. it boggled my mind then when I sort of watched what they were doing, that this is your whole thing. This is like I kept waiting for like, where's the the bit of the job you don't understand. Right. This, this <laughs> other this other aspect. that's like what you don't know is that, man, at night I'm down there just crunching those numbers trying to make this work. Right. Uh, it never seemed to come. There never seemed to be that other part of the job, yeah. and I think they got about as far as they're going to get with all of that. And the the internet age has caught up to them, and people started asking those questions. What, like, I think millennials basically started buying and selling
0: houses and asking, <laughs> yeah. "What, what are you doing? What, what is H- this?" I don't HGTV understand. ruined everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe it was HGTV because everybody true. suddenly had a real uh a deep uh, understanding of buying and selling and you know and like marketing houses um i know that there is like a market of houses which i'm not sure if they go on mls but like they have real specialist realtors because they are so expensive right there are many few but there are way fewer buyers than normal and the sellers don't want to have to deal with a bunch of normies being looky-loos and right sure just wanting to look inside the cool mansion and maybe those are justified to the 3% commission on both sides. Uh, and, you know, getting 3%, like those are cases where the buyer is so not consensitive that they could very well get an additional three or 6% or something like that just through their marketing yeah. genius or whatever. So uh, we have a ridiculous,
1: I am, sorry, go ahead. I am, I am the test case for that, where I know how to complete a real estate transaction in the state of Indiana. I know uh, the market in the Indianapolis area because I've lived here. And even when I didn't live here, I didn't live far away. And also I have friends and family who live in the area. And so like, I know it, I'm the test case for this. And I go out and I make an offer on a house saying, Hey, I'm unrepresented. So this whole transaction is going to be, Less costly to your seller, and so that's why my offer is a better offer than you might see from someone else. And they say, "Oh no, well we don't negotiate our commissions in uh, hmm. purchase off purchase agreements or purchase offers right. or something like that." Like that is, and that was Keller Williams. That's by the, the way, yeah. Keller Williams, <laughs> you suck. Uh, and yeah, I'm I am positively uh, uh, how would the British say it? Chuffed. I'm chuffed that uh, the uh, that. Keller Williams is getting stung by this. Uh, and and like if we decouple the uh, buyer's commission, buyer's agent commission from the seller's agent commission, that is a great start in the right direction. Super happy to see this lawsuit going through uh, and resulting in a huge judgment so far.
0: I mean, that interaction is exactly why it's probably why they, they lost, right? Because yeah. As a, commis- as a m- broker, you like the fact of your existence shouldn't be such a downside to uh, uh to you know, to the whole you transaction as, a, as an owner. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah we like, don't this negotiate was a, this our mission. Pl- you <laughs> right. I mean you probably should. Right. Um, yeah. The, I guess because they also pre- I mean there's <laughs> like thinking about it, as an attorney there's pressures to not go too low like societal pressures to not go too low because then you'll depress the market rates for our other lawyers i mean right. it happens in every like freelance contractor kind of situation where like if you go too low you're going to undercut other people but right. like yeah. this is totally different this is like some other Hold entity is determining the commission yeah yeah um and that's and- nuts
1: I see a fiduciary duty problem in it too, where if I'm the seller's agent and I have this contract where now I'm the one who's got to negotiate with the buyer's agent to see what kind of commission that they'll have to take from my 6%, I've Like got a fiduciary duty of loyalty problem there because what if there is no buyer's agent? Don't I have a duty to my seller that I'm working for to say... In the long run, this deal is actually better for you because really I'm only counting on 3% in this transaction, even right. though my contract says 5 That's the part that's really just vile about this <laughs> whole thing. And if we decouple those, a lot of that goes away.
0: Is there a fiduciary duty for brokers? I don't think there is one in Florida.
1: There's a fiduciary duty for agents generally, right? The the uh, agent has a fiduciary duty of loyalty to the principal.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I think I remember talking to somebody and talking to a broker and them being very clear that there is no fiduciary duty in Florida. Like they, like they (laughs) spoke about it. Like, uh, you know, there, this was their defense as to why what they were doing was okay. When they were basically compromising a person's negotiating position who they represented. Florida
1: statute 475.011. I oh. says, the duties of the broker as a fiduciary are loyalty, confidentiality, obedience, full disclosure, and accounting, and the duty to use skill, care, and diligence. I think okay. that person was full of beans. That's
0: okay. How yeah, do you discharge the like,
2: duty of loyalty and, nego- and is not for- negotiate with someone who wants to purchase a house because they don't have an agent? Here's right. the question.
0: How do you have that fiduciary duty of loyalty when you also represent
1: both people in the transaction? Well, yeah, that's hard because
0: because uh, the like in this case, the same brokerage represented two two parties, uh, and one of the brokers, uh, the buyer and seller in the property, and one of the brokers, the was it was the uh, who rep- the broker that represents this represented the seller was highly pressuring that seller to go lower to satisfy the buyer. Yeah. And they were just like, why are you doing this? And they were like, yeah. We don't have we don't have a duty. We're not compromising. There's no conflicts. There's no fiduciary so duty.
1: That part may be true. It if it's a dual, if it's a dual agency situation, then in my mind, they end up basically less of an agent and more of a mediator. And that I mm-hmm. think is stupid. And we should get rid of that too. But what do I know? I'm just, you know, a civil rights lawyer. My yeah. my
2: bet would be some sort of convoluted argument that the duty of loyalty is to act in the best interest of your client and the best interest of your client is to um like uphold the cabal and make this (laughs) sale using a realist another an agent that you like for all the reasons you were saying jacob like you can't trust listings that aren't in an mls because they're they're you know there's going to be shenanigans or something so the best interest of your client of of is to uh, of your principal as you, you you are an agent of is to act within the confines of the system and only negotiate with the people you're supposed to go. I'm betting some sort of nonsense like that because I don't, otherwise I don't understand no. there's no way you can't it just can't you can't have a duty to loyalty and have it discharged when you are... Nego- imagine if um, you hired an attorney to represent you for something and you noticed that before they were getting to the merits of your case they were discussing with opposing counsel how each of them were going to get paid. Right, like, let's work this out. How are we yeah, gonna? Yeah, how, we'll split some money. How are we gonna do How can I feel like you're representing me? You're Which, not, by at the all. way. It's funny, what, that
0: does happen though. Oh, does it? That totally yeah. happens. It shouldn't. I mean, like, like, it's that you know, the defense attorney, there's a thing the defense attorney, like in most of these cases, defense attorney is getting paid hourly by somebody. And it's like maybe they're an in insurance, you know, whatever, but they will hmm. definitely make a deal with the plaintiff's attorney for. Like where the plaintiff's attorney gets paid their, you know, 30% or 20%, 25% or whatever takes a cut, um, where they're negotiating on terms, basically where it's like, we, we're going to make it profitable for you and then don't go for anything else because, you know, um, even if it wouldn't be as good for your client. Um, that seems icky. I want to be
1: clear. (laughs) I've, I've never been presented with a situation like that. Where, uh, you know, I can detect plenty of times where I think defense attorneys are defending a bad case that they know that they're, uh, that they know is a stinker so that they can squeeze a bunch of fees out of their client. Like, I I know that there are times when that happens, but nobody has, no, even on the sly, no defense lawyer has ever come to me and said, maybe it's just because I'm unlikable, uh, but they've never come (laughs) to me and said, hey, let's, uh, you know, you wet your beak, I'll wet my beak, right, eh?" (laughs) <laughs> like that's never yeah. happened. It, is that how it, they really sound
0: anyway? That's that's I like that. I, I, really watched. I, watched, like, I watched
1: the Sopranos. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> uh, this is not the same situation at all, really. But uh, in Florida, I'm just gonna use this excuse to tell the story. Um, but in Florida, the you are not allowed to uh, have a pure referral fee for an attorney. Um you can only get a paid attorney's fees. If you actually work on the case, and only commensurate with your amount of work, so there's theoretically under the rules of our professional responsibility, there are no referral fees. You can't get five percent just for sending a case to somebody, for example. Um, but it happens all the time because how are you ever going to police that? Right. Um, one time there was a uh, there was like a medical malpractice case. There was, and one attorney sent it to another attorney and, um, and that attorney who sent it to the other attorney didn't got, they had a contract where that attorney got paid 5%, did zero work on the case, filed an attorney's lien. And, uh, there was a whole motion for summary judgment over that attorney's lien for 5%. And then the judge started asking, Hey, what? you're not allowed to do this. Like under our professional rules, you can't just have a pure referral fee. And then they, then the two attorneys agreed to dismiss it immediately as you, as you do. (laughs) Right. But the trial judge was like, no, I'm going to rule on this right now. You don't get to dismiss it. I'm returning jurisdiction. And then the, and then they appealed that order because they're like, Hey, we dismissed it. You didn't have jurisdiction. Appellate court's like, no, we have jurisdiction. We know what you're doing. Uh, but it's just like, you know, if you, there can be things that are illegal, but both, if both parties have the, uh, incentive to have it happen anyway, and it'll never see the light of day, it won't just happen. It'll like their entire economies will spring up based on that existence of that illegal arrangement.
1: And that my friends is how we end up with the national, national association of realtors (laughs) and their huge (laughs) lobby spending.
0: An Entire yeah, economy they, of of illegal actions, they're like the second biggest lobbying spending industry, right? They are, they are yeah. I, I, it, I think they're behind the NRA, is that into right? Intuit, oh, they're, <laughs> oh, they're behind, behind Intuit, they're behind Intuit. <laughs> the yeah.
2: That's true. They have so, yeah, I was looking at it. The National Association of Realtors, it was started 116 years ago. It's a 501c5, which I always forget what that is. That's a uh, a tax professional professional prof organization. Forgets. Yeah, it's some sort of tax <laughs> nonsense. Um, they have a membership of 1.5 million members. Um, yes, they are. They are the the second largest, but I don't know what the first is. Um, the I, yeah, US, I personally,
1: the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is number one. Oh okay. Uh,
2: yes, okay. I personally, if real estate agents go away, I feel bad for the individual people who aren't getting paid, and will have to go do something else. Um, but, uh, I'm fine. With I mean, it. it
0: just, it doesn't make sense the way it works now. If you're an owner of property, you should be able to hire a company to make your property look good, give you any contracts that you need, and then you can put it on Zillow, you know? Yeah. Like put it on something similar to Zillow, maybe right. yeah. a uniform Facebook marketplace database like that.
1: And and uh, there are companies, yeah, Facebook
0: marketplace, why not? Right.
1: There are companies that will do that. And uh, they'll do it for a much lower cost than six percent. The problem is the buyers' agents won't show you those houses because they're part of the cabal too, right?
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean that's the real the real thing, right? But like to to your, I think Jason, you said it. I can see the point of this. I was just doing quick math because there's a monstrosity house around the corner from where I live here. Uh, Twenty five, I think I've showed it to you guys. Twenty five million dollar house. This guy was a um, a pharmacist who started uh, a company that has some sort of genetic profiling thing to suggest to you the best, uh, you know, if there's several different blood pressure drugs.
0: Uh, he you you will... lived down from
1: the Sacklers, right? Is that the yeah. Sacklers? <laughs> no, 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 I'm being silly. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, I don't no, know lived from. Down, the probably. Ushers, from, uh, I don't know if y'all see <laughs> Yes, yes, right. yes.
2: Um, so he built this monstrosity, but then got ousted by his company, et cetera. Huge $25 million house. I don't live in an area where there should be $25 million houses. My house is nowhere near that. Obviously, right? I wouldn't be on this podcast. Obviously, or, well, I'd have
0: okay.
2: I'd have better things you to do nice twenty five.
0: Well, you, I've seen like so, your security wing. You have yeah. like a security wing where you like you know you monitor everything moving,
2: uh <laughs> yes. and it's super cool. Yeah, um, but it's nice. not, It's Nest cameras. It's not twenty five million dollars worth it's, of the It's nice
1: except for that weird wall of mirrors. <laughs>
2: weird wall. Of, the whole house is a wall
0: of mirrors. Yeah, so, the wall of mirrors everywhere. The, but, the but the coolest, coolest being, room I was in when I was a kid. Was always the room at the gym, which had a carpet and just like a wall of a mirror. Do you know right. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> It's carpet
2: at it's the creepy. gym. Why is there a carpet at the gym?
0: It's like, a I, I don't know what it is. It must be an 80s thing.
2: We have strayed like,
1: so egg, far? All the things. We are so <laughs> far off topic. Now I we're know. talking
2: about why are there carpets at the gyms, but I'm into it. I are want to know. At
0: gyms? What are they putting carpets in the gyms for?
2: Okay, so now we're doing carpet stuff. Uh, I my grandparents oh my had a carpet covered toilet seat. I think that's even weirder than not the seat. Oh, sorry, uh, the lid. The lid that, was that
0: that sounds like it would feel nice for the first time that you use it and then untrustable for the oh, rest yeah, of the yeah. time. Yeah, just
2: the lid, just the lid, not the seat. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay. It was okay. not a carpeted seat. It was just the oh, lid. Oh well
0: then that's useless
2: then. But I remember thinking, like, is the idea here that we're so wealthy, which they weren't. Uh, or we're or so wealthy that we've carpeted everything, even this, because the carpet matched the the carpet in like the actual regular carpet on the floor in the bathroom. Very strange. I don't, I don't know what that was for, but I also don't know why you would have carpet in a gym. Anyway, point being, $25 million house, uh, 3% of $25 million, if I'm doing my math right, is like $750,000. I think if somebody manages to sell that place for $25 million, oh, you should get $750,000. Uh, you've done a good job. It's worth it. Go for it. <laughs> I get specialty things, but like for yeah. normal houses, why it's, it, it, I mean, someone's going to buy it. Like, what are you doing? What are you really like? You're not marketing it per se. You're just listing it. Like you said, yeah. half the time I've I sold my parents' house when they moved out of it. Redfin hired a photographer that took all the pictures. The agent didn't do that. The yeah. agent had nothing to do with that at all. Right.
1: All they did was know how to work the little lockbox when people wanted to see the house. That's it. That was the whole thing that she did. Well, but I have a whole staff and I have to advertise and all that stuff like oh do you really have to do all that stuff or yeah. can I just put up a website? Right. Now and you
0: yeah, people just like look in the area that they want to buy in. Yeah. On yeah, nobody nobody shops map.
2: by by a certain real estate like agency now. What kind of no. psycho would be like oh I'm not buying from anything but Century 21. So I don't yeah. care if the house is ideal. That's the only people I'll work with cuz my dad worked for them for 108 years and it killed him, but I'll only work with them.
1: Now that we've burned all the bridges with the, uh, with the two realtors who listen to this podcast, uh, I'm, 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 I, you know, we're saying (laughs) true things, uh, and also we're saying opinions, which my opinion is truth. So, uh, how do you, how do you like it now? That sounds true.
2: They'll be working somewhere, making little rocks out of big rocks and they'll be doing just fine. You've got,
1: you've got great marketing credentials, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, There you go. Okay, so uh, moving on. Uh, Last little bit of like follow up stuff to the extent we care, because I think we talked about this. Sam Bankman-Fried found guilty all seven criminal counts. He was the FTX guy and the Alameda Research guy. Uh, Do we care? He's gonna. He could go away for 15 years.
1: Criminal goes to jail.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it is. What did we talk about it in the context of? It's weird how how much of Stanford was behind this guy. Uh, No, but I like that. Uh, it is funny that, like, so like Stanford professors somehow got super into FTX. Uh, because his father, his parents are Stanford professors, right? Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah. And though there's like, he had a longtime girlfriend who testified against him and apparently came off super well on the stand. Yeah, Uh, he did not. And and he did not. (laughs) (laughs) He did not come (laughs) off well. Yeah. Uh, Coinbase still stands alone as, uh, a company that seems to actually maybe want exist. to continue existing as a right. as a business <laughs> uh, so, very,
1: very diplomatically handled there yeah,
0: yeah would
2: like to try to at least until so we we're doing this every two weeks we'll probably be talking about them with some sort of issue next time we, we all well,
0: the ft the sec is arguing that they that their bit, whole business model is illegal so um uh, maybe they get destroyed but is it
2: a, it's a, they're saying that it's securities, right? It's yeah, they're another, saying yeah. Yeah. that like
0: failures. their their staking service, for example, is a security. Which I I have some Ethereum staked with them right now. What's
1: um, the uh, yeah. what's the meme that with the astronauts always has been? <laughs> yes, <and, laughs> into
0: the back of their head. Yeah,
1: and yeah. Uh, like I don't
0: I don't care. <laughs> that that's the that's the funny thing is like so much of the SEC, what the SEC does is like. the more educated, like you can be fully educated and about what's happening and understand the risk. And it's not a problem, but the problem is that, you know, you're selling to the problem is like the possibility of selling staking in a completely bull, you know, BS fashion with no regulation, you know, like railroad, there's plenty of railroad bonds that are perfectly valuable, uh, investments. um, but and but you know it it was complete hucksters selling trash ra- uh, railroad bonds to rubes, right? Uh, that that uh, ended with the SEC existing. Um, so right. I know, like I know the deal was sticking. All that money could could blip apart in an instant. and I'd be like, well, that sucks. Um,
1: but <laughs> anyway. that's because I'm, huh? <laughs> <Nothing>. <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> when the economy collapses, yeah, I mean, when the economy collapses, maybe it goes up. I don't know, um mm-hmm. but um but that's because I, you know, I re- I'm investing the tiny amount of crypto it- into crypto that I am comfortable losing. But
1: right. that's
0: not how a lot of people approach investment. They're like, "Oh, crypto is the way to go. I'm going to put all my life savings into crypto or GameStop right. or they Be- got a beyond <laughs>
1: yeah. or
0: AMC." And instead of, you know, just like investing what they're comfortable losing into something.
1: Changing um, the Twitter avatar to the laser beam eyes.
2: Right. Yeah. (laughs) That is an interesting point because when you think about it, the SEC's sort of the tacit, like one element of the distinction between a security versus not is the disclosure requirements you have to go through. Right. And so the idea that somehow um, the sorts of disclosures that will meet what the SEC says is required will sufficiently uh, put on notice everyone involved in investing in this that they could lose money would suggest then that there should be no one who ever lost money in the stock market and said, I didn't know that could happen, right? And <laughs> I, I'm, I don't think that that's true, right? Because no one is reading those disclosures, these circulars and things no. that, are, that are being put out no one's reading them they're just investing Hmm. they're you know you're they're opening an account with uh Robinhood app and they're buying shares of something and it's click wrapped with some sort of i agree stuff and technically there's all these documents you
0: know on sec edgar that you could look at if you wanted to but no one does well some people that's the thing i don't look at them but there are industry analysts that look at them and they will say like hold on this thing actually looks scary as hell and right. then the market re- will react and I'll be like, oh, okay, maybe this is a problem that I should be looking sure.
1: Maybe at. I won't buy that one. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, then we don't
2: care. He might go away for like 115 years. I don't oh, think he's no. going to go away that long. Yeah. He's going He'll to probably get terrible die. tragedy. Yeah. Uh, the only other follow-up we have is the Texas Rangers are World Series champions. Do we care?
1: Sure. I care who the World Series champion is
0: i yeah, cool. Good. I appreciate that it's a relatively. It's a team that hasn't won it recently. So that's they've cool. never it won, won it ever. It's their first ever. Oh. right. I, I mean, I'm. You know, the fact that it's not like the Dodgers or the Red Sox or you know one of those teams yeah. that seems to win it all the time. The Red Sox, Sox probably ages me to elder millennial status, but you know, uh, yeah, Astros. I don't know national. You know so- what? Saying the Red Good Sox winning
2: the World Series a lot places you actually it not only ages you, it also sets a limit on how old you can be, right? Because yeah. of right, like it's because like of the because of the curse. Yeah, we could zero in on it's like like uh, uh, coring the ice and, and yeah. looking at the strata. We know exactly when you lived. If you think yeah. the Red Sox win the World Series too much, yeah.
0: When I think of the Red Sox, I think of winning the World Series. That means that I came of age during the Ortiz Johnny Dan- Damon. Kurt Schilling, Manny Ramirez, uh, yeah, Ramirez. Yeah. We you were right oh, in the right
1: age where uh, the movie Fever Pitch just really struck a chord with you. Oh yeah, you absolutely loved Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. Yeah, I love Jimmy
0: Fallon. Oh yeah, Mandy Moore.
1: Mandy Moore, what? <laughs> I've never <laughs> wasn't seen. Wasn't she in that movie? No, it was Drew Barrymore? I don't know. Maybe she was. Drew Barrymore a big part. Drew uh, Barrymore is was Fallon the a girlfriend. Boston
2: guy. I thought Fallon was
1: a New York guy. He's a Boston I, guy. I think it grew out. He was out in that movie, movie, playing, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah, he was the guy in that movie. But I'm pretty sure. That grew out of that dumb skit that they did on SNL with like an Anoma. Oh, <laughs> Garcia oh, jeez. All right. Well, no. Uh,
2: got, anyway, okay. The okay. Rangers are <laughs> uh, um, anyway. I'm fine. What about it.
0: Freddie Prince Jr. and what was that summer? Freddie Prince Jr. was a pitcher in a baseball movie. Mm. I'm dying. Really? Summer. It wasn't called Summer Fling. All right. I'm looking sure.
1: It <laughs> so anyway, the World summer Series Cash. champions. Classic summer catch. Texas Rangers won the World American Series. American Romantic Comics. I feel really good about somebody winning the World Series for the first time uh, in 2023. Feels great. I'm glad it's... If it can't be the Braves, I'm glad it was not the Astros and not the Dodgers and not the Phillies. God help us, not the Phillies. Thank you. Uh but But, uh, you know, there's good stories to be had there. You got Max Scherzer at the Twilight of his career winner <laughs> World Series. You've got Josh Young at the dawn of his career uh winning a world series you got adolis garcia who maybe wasn't yeah. quite as great in the world series as he was in the alcs but still like really really I mean, good the
0: ALCS. that was a legendary alcs for a player yes yeah, yeah. yeah. that was crazy he shot up the like all-time
2: home run list and and hit list or something he like went from not even being on there to being you know i don't know yeah. top five or something
1: yeah um, so yeah good i'm, for I'm them. super
2: happy Longest Drought, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, that team was the longest drought. Longest, you know, without a World Series uh, victory, I assume, because they had a couple of appearances in 2011, and I think 2012 or something. So I agree. Great for them. Uh, I will do my recommendation quickly, and then I will let you all do yours. Uh, it's a pretty simple one. The uh, Sylvester Stallone Netflix documentary, pretty good. Uh, good. Surprising for millennials that have one conception of him and... Hmm that could be kind of upset a little bit doesn't seem really? to be an idiot. Yeah. I wouldn't no. say he's an idiot.
0: He, his, the story of how he wrote, uh, Rocky is yeah. crazy. I, I had no, I found out about that with like 15 years ago. He's a, which one, the, the first one.
2: No. Well, which, so the two stories are that he stole the whole idea from a New Jersey guy, uh, oh. Bayonne bleeder, uh, Chuck Weppner who fought Muhammad Ali and knocked him down. Okay. And Stallone was watching that and wrote Rocky. That's one story. Oh,
0: that's not even stealing a story. That like right, that yeah, doesn't. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Yeah, like yeah. you, the fact that a story happened and then you wrote about it. The person right. who wrote that created like that is the hard work. <laughs> the fact that it sure. happened, it's like saying, oh, you know, you stole the story of World War II. No, that's <laughs> not, like you can't steal that, bro. That right. is that's not the story. That is it an belongs event to the world.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's saying Band of Brothers was terrible because yeah, because yeah, that's just a
0: real thing that happened. <laughs> right. uh, he didn't write yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's true. yeah,
2: yeah, not uh, but, a dumb guy though. Smart guy it seems. Yeah, like.
0: no, that's that was my that was the story that I had heard, which is like about him like creating this, uh, this very good script, like a, interesting writing it's uh, it's a
2: great it's a great script it's a great movie like the, yeah. the original rocky if you watch it it holds up it is compelling it there's a lot of decisions yeah. where you go this guy made that decision and he had yeah. never made anything before it's a fantastic and movie. the same
0: thing goes for rambo like for first yeah. blood which yeah, is like movie. you don't realize how political that movie is when Absolutely. you don't actually most i don't think most kids have watched rambo or first blood they just right. know Rambo as like a character that kills a lot of people and it's like that shirtless not the guy movie yeah. at all. No. Uh And that's... he talks about that.
2: He conceptualizes Rocky and Rambo as the two extremes of uh, one is completely, embr- uh, sees, uh, smiles at everybody happy with everyone, sees the bright parts of the world and everyone embraces him. That's Rocky Rambo is no one, uh, has any time for him. <laughs> he sees the world as a cold place. And these are like the two extremes. And, and I don't know hmm. if it's post hoc, you know, rationalization that he's coming up with that later, but super thoughtful documentary really has some like actual insights into stuff and surprising. I didn't expect that. I thought he was yeah. going to be kind
0: of, uh, Meathead. A little bit of a meathead, yeah. Yeah, exactly. no, he's. That's the thing. Like his his, the two movies that like made his name are both way more interesting than their sequels, or like yeah. the public conception of them were. I agree. Um, so like, it, I always, I don't want to say always because the like I had that conception, then I learned the story of Rocky and also of First Blood, and I was like, oh, this is like really, this is political. Uh and personal, and it's like in a way that I didn't understand. And also he's like kind of a like he made his own way in a way that I didn't understand. No one
2: would cast him, so he wrote his own parts. And so if you apparently, if you read the novel that Rambo is based on, he like heavily changed it for the movie. It doesn't, it has almost no the, the original Rambo from the novel is like a homicidal maniac. He apparently like met with Vietnam vets that had um you know come home and had difficulties and stuff and rolled sort of all of their stories into one and was trying to make a political movie. And that's why there's that a couple of years ago, there came out the it's on YouTube. You could see like the alternate ending where he gets killed, where Rambo gets killed by Colonel Troutman at the end. And he apparently like walked off the the movie and said, I won't shoot anymore. If that, if you're going to try to make that the ending, because I'm not going to have this movie about uh, a Vietnam vet that comes home and has difficulties and then dies at the end so that vets can watch this and say, Oh, okay. So there is no hope for me. Like yeah. that's not, I'm not uh, that's doing interesting. that. Interesting. And so it an would I, have been a very fitting ending.
0: Uh, right. even if the, you know, right. But his idea ending, that this,
2: but, but this was tied just to like real people's experiences was like, well, I'm not going to, I can't end on that note. It has to be hopeful or, or whatever, but long story short, interesting documentary, highly recommend. I'll stop there.
1: Yeah. Confession time. I've never seen either one of those movies.
0: You've, so they're they're, I don't they're understand. better than you might think.
1: You've never seen Rocky. Either one. I've never seen or Rocky Rambo and I've never seen Rambo.
0: Did you grow up, is you didn't grow up not, outside yeah, of the, the, the United thing. States? Rambo's yes. Not the movie.
2: Yeah. yes.
1: Huh. I've never okay. seen either one.
0: All right. You
2: should watch one of them. You should pick one. We should do a, a, a Squaring Squiring Minds movie uh thing. Yeah. And oh, this would be great because like you're there's probably you're like one of those people who hasn't seen Star Wars. Everybody's <laughs> seen Rocky, especially of yeah, millennials. Right. Everybody's seen parts nope. of it. It was on TBS uh, all the time. The
0: thing is, Star Wars has continued. Rambo, yeah. they keep making Rambo movies. They keep but, making Rockies uh, too. They do, and they keep making Rockies. And the uh, the Rocky, the new Rocky movies have, movies have been really good too. Yeah. So
2: never seen this a one. This could be our uh, our first like movie like Christmas special where we uh, yeah. we talk about.
0: We, we can do a watch along. We can MST3K the. That's great. Yeah. First blood. Just our our three Excellent. little heads or or yeah. Rocky. Yeah. Okay. All right, so I think Jason should go next
2: with recommendations because I feel like Alan Wake is going to be because I'm going to talk too much about it. <laughs> yeah, Could be yeah. that's true. So well, what do you got? i going to talk
1: too much about it. I'm just going to leave. But uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't have any recommendation. <laughs> I don't have any recommendation this week. Uh, I am hyped about the Super Mario RPG remake uh, or reboot. That's remaster. It's coming out for the Nintendo Switch. I'm excited for it. It'll be up, yeah. out by the next time we talk.
0: Yeah. Cool me too the the Nintendo writing is always so f- like unexpectedly funny to me whenever yeah. they come out with a with an RPG it's like it, it is self-aware in a way that I that is always surprising for people who otherwise just play like Mario and it's just like woohoo and <laughs> yeah. then uh and then the RPG comes out and they're making like jokes which like sexualize goombas and anyway.
1: Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have good nostalgia for the original. I'm excited to play it again. And my nine-year-old is pumped, too. Cool. Nice. Uh,
0: yeah, my recommendation is Alan Wake 2. Um, I I feel like I do this all the time uh, because it's been a great year for games. Alan Wake uh, is a... This game makes me say things which make me feel silly. But I've also seen other people say things like... Wow, why aren't more games art? Things like that. <laughs>
1: okay. Um,
0: like, cause this is like this is like a video game equivalent of watching uh i I would say like Studio Ghibli for the first time or something like that. Uh but like imagine every single game is a Marvel movie, and then suddenly out comes like Inception or something like that. And it's like, oh, this like some people can make oh, okay. interesting things. Like, people can make things that seem, like, really intentional. Uh, but Alan Wake, for people who don't know, was a game that came out 13 years ago. It's a kind of horror-influenced shooter game. And the concept was you're a writer. Uh, you're having problems in your... the Alan Wake is a writer having problems with his marriage, goes to a little town in Washington, very Twin Peaksy, um, And so he starts having, like... Uh, he starts going through a situation where he starts finding written pages lying around, which seem to be written by him, which predict the future and say what's about to happen. And so he finds a you know a page written on the ground that says that. Then then the taken attacked him and suddenly gets attacked, uh, attacked by a thing. That's like the you know that's the very the simplest conceit of this of that first game, um, and that is. You know, that itself is kind of like a, they do, it's very interesting. It was good. It doesn't hold up super well uh, in terms of gameplay. It's not that fun to play. Um, But they, so 13 years later, they came out with the sequel. It's the best, it's a survival horror game uh, where the main mechanic, like the first game, is there are monsters which are covered in shadow and you make them vulnerable by shining your light on them. Um, that's the main shooting mechanic. But like the first game, it's also Alan Wake is writing, and the pages that he's written, which are sprinkled everywhere, keep coming true. Um, and the interesting thing about it is, first of all, it looks incredible. It is there are visuals in this that I'm just like shocked they're able to pull off. Like you're walking through the forest and suddenly you're also seeing a subway station. And they're laying over each other with different lighting. And it's like hard to tell what you're even looking at. And it's like, nobody else is doing this. um, But really, it's just like the writing is so dense. the And it seeps into every part of the game. You play as both Alan Wake, who is stuck in like a nightmare dimension. uh, And Saga Anderson, who's an FBI agent who is investigating killings in Bright Falls, the place where the first game took place. Um, and it's so interesting because every single element of this game seems authored. Like when you're playing as Alan, you're in this nightmare dimension and it's, and you're in a nightmare version of New York city. There are signs everywhere that looks like New York city. All the signs are like, you're a terrible writer. Nothing you say has any artistic <laughs> merit anyway. One of the first situations you appear on is like such a nightmare scenario, which is you appear on the talk show where somebody, a talk show host is asking you questions about a book you don't remember reading. And you have to answer for the audience about this book. And it's like such a specific nightmare. Right. Um, And all of this is just, it's hard to even express the level of design that went into this. And it's just so interesting that this came out and it's like, like inception is what I would, I would analogize it to where like, Hmm. there's little elements that are throughout the game that are just like, so every single word seems to be placed intentionally. Hmm. And that's compared to like Baldur's Gate 3, which I think me and Jason have played. I don't know if you, did you play any Baldur's Gate 3, Andrew? I have not, no. Okay. But that's like the Lord of the Rings. Right It's a very traditional adventure, it's, right' it's good, but it's like traditional. It's like there's a bad guy and you go and you destroy the bad guy, and it's cool, you know there's like some cool relationships that happen along the way, and then there's like there's like Zelda, which is its own right like very similar, it's like you know it's a traditional game, yeah, and there's so many good games that came out this this year that are just like mind-blowing. And this is another one in a totally different way. Um I ended up writing a review of it. I was I was inspired enough to write a review. This game has soaked into my brain with all of the imagery and writing. And the the review is written in the form of Alan Wake writing about how I'm about to write a review. And I'm not even the only person that did this apparently. Somebody else wrote this exact form of review. <laughs> Um, I didn't
2: get that it was a reference to how Alan Wake is written. And so I thought yeah. it was possible you were just going insane. Yeah. Uh, no, that you were finding it, sheets of paper places, but obviously not really.
0: Yes. Yeah, so it is that reference. But also, it's funny because in the game, Alan Wake is not a very good <laughs> writer. It's It was a fun thing to write because in the game, Alan Wake is... The Dark Dimension is a... Um, there's a lot of it that's analogous analogous to writer's block. And so you uh, he is he needs to write his way out of it. He everything he writes comes true, But if he writes it in a way that doesn't match the genre of what he's writing, which is horror, then it will not come true and it'll it'll bend back on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but his writing style is like a lot of short sentences a lot of uh, abstract language. So like he will write a lot of one word sentences. So his writing style is extremely different from mine. And so it was fun to write in that style about myself uh, as like (laughs) just an experiment. And we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it was, it, it's, I strongly recommend it for anybody who wants to play video games for like the, direction of it or just like watch watch somebody play the first like hour of it or something and see whether you're into it because uh like the first five minutes really declares itself very strongly Hmm. um about like what this is what what the vibe is the vibe is dark and lots of kind of uh they withhold information better than anybody else this the uh uh, that's the uh, the studio Remedy, which right. also made Control. Uh, one of their best, the qualities that I really appreciate from them is like they have a shared universe with their other with their with Control, the other game. Uh, but they are very good at not giving you the answers like they will pose the question and the question is part of the fun and they will not give you the answer. They will let you feel out the re- the realities of the world, but they will never give you a direct answer um but you can figure it out if you think hard enough if you read enough about it you can figure it out eventually um and for a person if you like to think about your media that's it's like perfect um, i'm sold i'm going to i will buy
2: it it works on, like, like, like x- xbox is good enough xbox like it,
0: uh, series x yes it, right okay it's I'm definitely in. a next gen like it is the best looking game maybe out there which is crazy cool. for like a relatively small studio But it is the best looking game. Yeah, if you like, but you have to be okay with being scared. This game is scary as hell. (laughs) This is so scary. This game is actually the scariest game I've ever played. Jason's out, out, but he's also falling asleep, I think.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm just, I'm just way out.
0: Yeah. no, (laughs) No, like there's like, and they scare, like watch that first, like five minute segment because it is immediately like, oh yeah, this is scary as hell. Uh, it's like it, the vibe is true detective meets uh, like Twin Peaks or something like that. That's cool. Man. I like both meets, those shows. Yeah, um, yeah, All and right. it really it really rewards people who pay attention to the studio because there's a segment where it's uh, where the the director of the of the studio is in the game. Um. Hmm. Playing a character who is anal- analogous to Max Payne, who is another character from another game they made 20 years ago that they don't own the rights to, and then they comment on the fact that they don't own the rights to that character anymore <laughs> in this game. Oh, they so don't say that, that directly. I have to Do homework before I could play this game. I think. Yeah, no, so, that's okay. the thing. Like, it's it's fun. It's fun context if you have played the previous games or if you know right. about them. But it's not necessary. The story like holds is designed to hold up whether or not you know about them. Is this fun to be like, oh, that's you know, that's I supposed know to that be is, Max yeah. Payne. And when he's complaining in this in this thing about how he doesn't get to be involved in the adaptations of his work anymore, he's talking about Max Payne because they made a movie for Max Payne and he didn't get to be involved in it. Anyway. It's so deep. Sorry, <laughs> and, and and also there's a there's a they have a band on call called Legends of the Fall, which uh, is a uh, which is in the game as uh, the old gods of Asgard. By the way, there's um uh, the <laughs> Norse going. pantheon is heavily involved in this in this whole series. This is like the Oscar there's, music I'm ushering a, him off uh, the stage. The, there's a god king There's a